Hey, yo, and here we go. Another episode. We talk mm, comics. 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 <laughs> almost, almost said another one. We talk <laughs> comics on the air and in your ear. I could try and guess which one it was, Brett. I went. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you're, it's uh, it's either that or you're doing like a crash test dummy song where it's just like we talk. <laughs> That's not what I was doing. No. Um, so we talk comics on the air and in your Tales of the Expo part one, two-parter. We have some great uh, clips from you guys from the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo and some thoughts on the event. Uh, and, and what are some of the people we will be uh, giving people an ex- a sample of the panels from, Brett? Okay, well, let me see now. We've got uh, we've got the Goonies panel we're going to talk about. We also have the Twisted Tunes panel, which was absolutely insane. And we have Zach Levi, uh, the opening bit of his panel. Plus, we have a little chat with the formerly... Um, for, the formerly... Formerly, wow. Uh, former Emily Expo. Formerly Emily Expo. That <laughs> yeah, is yeah, much hey. harder to say. Say that three times. As fast and then and, and see what happens. Formerly That's right. Emily Expo. That's not at all. That doesn't flow. Nope. But the uh, used to be Emily Expo. Spokeswoman <laughs> <laughs> for the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. And of course, they submit the Goonies, uh, which has Sean Astin and uh, Corey Feldman um, and Kai. I, I can't remember his last name on yeah. there. So. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, some good stuff and uh, lots of good discussion. And uh, let's kick it off, Brett. That's right. To the top. And let's talk about some of the panels. Um, Zachary Levi, he's great. Like he's he, what a presence this guy has. He had a a live panel at the Daily Hive, which is where they are uh, what they're calling the Calgary Expo during the or the Calgary uh, Corral during the Expo. Um, he did not have a moderator. He did not sit down and, and take a bunch of pre-answer questions. He simply walked out on stage, uh, full. Um, I guess you could say inspirational speaker mode, but just incredibly engaging and charismatic and just took audience questions and entertained us for 45 minutes. And then unfortunately it was told he had to get off, but <laughs> I, I feel like he could have gone for an hour and a half. No problem. Uh, oh, I think he could have gone over an hour and a half without taking a breath. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that, uh, and, and this is one of those great things about, being able to go to the expo and and being able to see these panels is that, you know, I I've, I'm a fan of Chuck. I, I've watched the entire series. I watched it when it came out, but uh, and and I've seen a lot of. Remember Zachary how Levi's. Saying, I I I've seen a few episodes of Chuck. Yeah, I got it confused. I, that was Psych. I I never seen. Oh, Chuck. okay, fair enough then. <laughs> I've never seen Psych, so uh, there you <laughs> go. That, that's fine. But yeah, like the thing. The thing was with Chuck is that, you know, I, I really liked the show and, 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 you know, I always thought, oh, Zachary Levi seems really likable. And, you know, I like him as Finn Ryder and uh, I think that's the right name, Entangled, um, good, good character and just, he seemed really enjoyable, but you never know with these people. And then it was suggested to us that we go by the media panel and so we thought, why not? And we did and I'll be honest made me so happy it, it might have it was truly one of the highlights of my weekend might have been maybe the number one i don't know well linda carter probably overall the highlight but damn he he was super fun yeah he was he was exactly that he was really fun um he's very genuine despite when i say he went into full inspirational speaker mode i, I think that's just who he is that's it wasn't anything put on you know he he's uh he is just like i say he's a charismatic guy 
He's had a lot of life experiences. He's he's not afraid to talk about them and share them. Um, so you know, I mean, he's coming off of obviously probably his his most visible role ever in Shazam, and uh, which did very well. And yet, the, interestingly, absolutely no questions from the audience about Shazam. No, that's right. Some about Chuck, some about uh, his own convention, which he had ran. I can't remember the name of it now, but uh, uh, some about obviously Tangled and, and just, you know, some about his, his singing and, and, you know, if he would ever to perform in a biopic and that type of thing. Good audience questions is one of the things that was really impressive to me also. Like, you never know what you'll get with these things. But this, this is and, and in one of the other panels that we attended, one of the audience questions was a complete train wreck um, that, that really kind of threw the whole thing off. But in this case, uh, the audience did great. So, yeah, and I'm never—I gotta be honest—I'm never expecting the audience to give good questions. It's usually one of those cases where their questions are often super simple and and sometimes kind of annoying. And but this one very much not like that. So so yeah, overall, it was it was a surprise on two levels. It was a surprise in the fact that that I really enjoyed Zach Levi. And it was a surprise in the fact that the audience asked like really quality questions that really helped bring out a lot of that personality. Definitely. So, you know, even the very beginning, like when he just stuck his head out from the, from the, from the curtain, then he stuck and then he pulled it back and then he stuck it out again and lowered a level of the curtain and pulled it back again. You could tell he was playful. He was in a good mood. He came out. It, it was really good. We're, I guess we have audio from that first question, so we can kind of give a sample to people of what he was like. And, and I, I think, uh, do you want to cut to that now? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, have a listen. And, and if you do, if he comes to your comes to your area in a, and you get a chance to see him in a panel, I fully recommend it because he is a, he's a ton of fun. For sure. What's up? What's up, Calgary? I can't even, there's so many of you, I can't even see you over the bleachers. Hi, everybody over there on the left. How are you doing over there? Fantastic. How's everybody doing over there on the right? And how's the middle doing? They're a little bit louder than the sides. A little bit louder. Uh, uh, do you guys want to just jump into uh, fan Q&A? Because that's what I like to do. Is that, if that's cool with you guys. Is that all right? Okay, great. Well, we'll start on one of those two sides. Who wants to start? Right there. Let's start with you. <laughs> or we can come back. <laughs> no, 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 I got it. Um, before I ask my question, you are a gorgeous man. Thank you. I don't care if this is recorded. I don't care. But I love you and Miss Mesa. Thank you. Uh, we have more scenes. Well, you know, I'm there to support the story. I got as many scenes as I was supposed to have. You really follow the 1950s, like, doctor looks, like, every woman wants to chase after you kind of thing? Anyways! Thank you! You, you, you fit the role really well, Ned. Thank you. I appreciate that. I was really, really honored to be a part of that show. It is delightful. If you have not seen The Marvelous Mrs. Basil, I highly, I highly, highly recommend that you see it. And, and I know, I know, for those of you who have not seen it, I, I understand. Like, everybody's like, oh, you gotta see a show. And you're like, forget, like, please, I've already heard. Like, it's so great. I get it. But the truth is, like, a show that you would look at on the outside and you think this is the most niche programming ever. It's about, like, a young Jewish divorcee in the late 1950s who's trying to be a stand-up comic. Like, that's a real small target, seemingly. <laughs> Except it's not. 
It's really not, guys. It is so excellent that anyone and everyone can get into that show. It is just delightful. So if you get a chance, go watch Marvelous Mrs. Basil. What is your question, Dara? Okay, uh, my question is, you're a part of the Disney royal family. You're darn right about as that. A, yeah. <laughs> as a prince in the Marvel Universe, to be a part of Disney, what were the key things they look for in talent and requirements you must continue after your role is Don't suck. That's that's number one. Um, I don't know. Well, I, I can't speak to everything that they ask for or look for in all of their projects, but I can say that when I auditioned for Flynn, or some of you might know him, Eugene, um, uh, I, I go by both, don't worry. Uh, but when I was auditioning for that, originally they weren't even seeing American actors. Originally Flynn Rider was a British character and they were only seeing British actors. And fortunately, uh, my, my voiceover agent knew that I had I do voices, I do dialects and, and whatnot, and pretty well, I hope. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so she was able to convince the casting directors to, to read me, uh, maybe the only American actor, I don't know, I, as far as I know, I was the only American actor they've read. And I went in an audition with a, with a, with a British accent and sang, they, they wanted us to prepare a singer-songwriter song, so I sang uh, uh, um, James Taylor's Sweet Baby James. Uh, and then I uh, got a call back, and when I got the call back, then they had given me the um, uh, Last I See the Light, and I had memorized that and sang that for them. And then I got the job, and then later they decided, you know, actually, we've never had a, a main uh, Disney prince or princess that hasn't had a, a North American accent. All of the uh, other supporting characters and whatnot in all these movies can have all kinds of different accents, but. Uh, typically, you know, it's a North American-ish accent, and so they, they were like, could you do that? And I was like, I, I guess. I mean, that seemingly is my voice, right? I'm just, I'm just doing me now? Okay, great. So, uh, so that was kind of all of the things that, that, I was, that were required of me in order to get, get my foot in the door and get the job. And then it was just like with anything, you just, it's, it's really about a collaboration between your directors and your writer and... Uh, us, the, the cast, um, you know, Dan Fogelman, who uh, is obviously, you know, he's, uh, do you guys watch This Is Us at all? Anybody, This Is Us fans? Dan, Dan created This Is Us, gave Mandy that job, didn't call me, that's fine. Um, it's fine, I was busy doing other things. Like Shazam, um, And uh, so, you know, really, really talented, incredible writer, and Dan, and uh, awesome directors that we had, and Nathan and Byron, and um, you know, it, it was a, a tremendous experience. And then stuff beyond that, like after you've gotten the job, I don't know. I mean, uh, there's all kinds of little ancillary bits and pieces. Like I still do the voice. Like anytime there's a Flynn Rider voice, uh, they call me. <laughs> so like, it's Disney on ice. I'm like, I'm there, let's go. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, when that, when that yeah. I knew that would get a rise out of the audience, Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> So all of that stuff, I just, I, I have specifically told them, like, please, please, if there's ever any Flynn Riders, because I, I, when I was a kid, I remember watching Disney cartoons that were, like, based on the movies, and I remember, even as a kid, I was like, that's not the right voice. Who's doing this janky voice? So I didn't ever want uh, to have somebody else doing Flynn Riders voice. I wanted to make sure I was doing And so, and, and even the series. Anybody watch the Tangled series? The Tangled? I mean, it's like a really good cartoon. It's like So, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's all I got. All right, that was Zach Levi. Uh, you know, 
Um, when you see that panel and you hear him talk, uh, it, I think it's definitely he's going to just like he's he's only on the way up. He's he's going to get bigger and bigger and have more success uh, because of who he is and, and how he goes about things. So it's really cool. Now that said. He's also like 14 feet tall. I did not realize. I know for sure. He seems really big. So, and I guess that's that's another I mean, real positive for him in that regard. Like he's he's a big, tall guy. He's certainly in good shape. So, there's no reason that as long as he continues to make smart decisions, that he can't, you know, basically grab the world by the tail. And it's interesting because a long time ago. I thought the same thing about Ben Affleck, but see, Ben Affleck made all the wrong decisions. And so that, <laughs> that kind of limit gave him a limited career for a while. And I mean, he's, he's built it back up to a certain degree, but there's no doubt that, that I don't think anybody looks out there and says, Oh, Ben Affleck could be like the biggest star in the world anymore. I, <laughs> but uh, No, it doesn't feel that way. But Zach Levi, I think has, has that potential right now. Yeah, I think he has, I, I think it's just going to get bigger and bigger. So absolutely, he's got it all. Uh, so we'll move on here to to another panel that we attended. This was called Twisted Tunes, <laughs> and 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 this this was a little bit of a, a difficult thing because, like, it was a really fun panel. Uh, it's essentially very similar to what we do with our um, scripts panel. You know, yeah, that's right. Panel, you know, uh, just you know, come out there and perform a, a, a something from the show. And in this case, they performed. Uh, from the, the uh, I guess, Gene Wilder's version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And, um, you know, it, it gets a little bit, but they have the, the, the panel is all these people that do voices for cartoons, and they have a little bit of an opportunity to, to go off script as they tended to do a few times. And, uh, and it, was, it was absolutely hilarious. Um, so there's a few things, though, because one of the people that's on the panel is Jim Cummings, and then this week is some accusations, I guess we could say, towards him, uh, you know, sexual abuse, animal abuse, uh, drug addiction. So it becomes kind of like a weird thing of, do we put this audio up? He's a, he's a very small portion, especially the clip that we have. Um, it's really weird that he's here. You know, we see him doing the voice of Winnie the Pooh performing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Which and was he, amazing. It was incredible uh, singing I Got a Golden Ticket uh, <laughs> as, uh, as you know, and it was just hilarious and amazing. And then a few days later comes out, you know, this stuff right after he leaves here. So I don't know. What's kind of your, what are your thoughts on the, the panel and what we should do with this and, and such? Well, I mean, here's the thing, right? I mean, he's he's innocent until proven guilty, ultimately. And, and I mean, it's one of those cases where, ah, you know, it's it's so very hard when you when you talk about when you talk about the ex-wife coming out and, and accusing. It's it sounds terrible. There's no doubt about it. But uh, but for right now, what I mean, what do I know? <laughs> you know I wasn't there. <laughs> No, I, that's the thing, right? It's it's an accusation. You don't want to not respect the the accuser. On the other hand, uh, you know everybody deserves their day in court. So it becomes one of those things where I'm like, I don't I don't know how we approach this or where we go about this. Um, like I say, it's kind of a small part of the, what we got here. So I, I think maybe we should cut to the audio of it, and then we can talk a little bit more about what the actual performance was. Sure. 
Hello? How are you, Calgary? All right, I, I know it's been a little while, but this is Calgary. You guys are louder than that. Let's hear it one more time. One, two, three. All right, this is audience participation, so you need to be that loud the whole time. You know what movie we're doing? Willy Wonka. No, we're not doing Adventures Endgame. You're in the wrong room. In this room, you guys know the deal, right? PG-13, the rated R. You guys up here love that twisted shit, right? Well, you're going to hear that. So if there are little ones in the room and I can see one or two little faces out there, we're not responsible for the therapy later. They're going to hear their favorite cartoon say some weird stuff, all right? Go to YouTube, watch us, please. Check us out on social media. That's how we keep coming back. Uh, thank you for all that. Thanks for that. And uh, audience participation. I hope you know the Oompa Loompa song because you guys are singing that one. When they sing their songs, I expect you to chime in. So make sure you're paying attention. If you fall asleep, we throw stuff at you. All right, I'm gonna bring them all out at once because we're running behind. So hold your applause till I'm done talking, but let's bring out Jennifer Hale, David Hayter, Rob Paulson, Maurice LaMarche, Greg Lamb. Jim Cummings, where are you, Jim? There he is. All right. All right. We're going to jump right in because we're running a little behind and we want to give you guys everything we got. All right. So. Stop talking about little behinds or kitchen. All right. All right. Scene one. All right. You all have pens. In the first scene, we are going to have as Grandpa Joe Gray, Vicky from the Fairly Odd Parents. Perfect. As the TV newsman David, uh, Sean Connery. Right. As Charlie Jennifer. How about Come Commander Shepard? As the Tinker Jim, uh, James Brown. And as the narrator, Maurice, we're gonna go with Peter Falk. And I know for you guys that means a Princess Bride. You remember the Princess Bride? That's that guy. Grand, the grandfather from Princess Bride. And, and you have to watch Maurice because he actually becomes yeah. Peter Keep Falk. Keep your eye on the screen when, when Mo's doing his Peter Falk impressions. And then in the beginning, we actually have a song to kind of intro us. We jump right to the, the Who Can Take a Sunrise song. And I thought that should be started out with Jen. How about Lady Gaga? Ice cream? That is not Let's see, her and Sammy Davis are pretty similar, right? Oh, yeah. so we'll start that, and then, <laughs> and then after that, Maurice, you can pick up whenever you guys are ready. It doesn't matter if you like Smarties or chocolate or big puffy mellow balls. Who can take a sunrise, sprinkle it with dew, cover it in chocolate and a miracle or two? The candy man can. The candy man can, cause he mixes it with love and makes the world taste too ya ya.
going. Candy store owner seems nice, son. Uh, the kids take all the candy they want without paying. Did you notice that in the movie? Nobody paid for shit. He lets them all behind the counter, gives one girl a lollipop. It's a little uncomfortable. Go rewatch it. Yes. Anyway, now that candy store owner would share a cell with Kevin Spacey. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> He's not here at this friggin' con. Fuck him. <laughs> anyway, back to the story. You see Charlie running around, throwing newspapers at people until he stops in front of the Wonka plant. He's encountered by another future child, Lester. <laughs> it says that in the script. Pulling a car to butcher knives. This guy never blinks. Seriously. Is this a children's story? <laughs> Up the heavy mountain. <laughs> We're down the rushing land. But then I go a hunting. Up here with little me. To see nobody ever go in. And nobody ever comes out. Good God, y'all. Hit me. I'm not kidding. This guy didn't blink once. Which would have rolling God and knives, you know? Anyway, as he should, Charlie runs home as fast as he can, where he finds everyone eating cabbage water. Cabbage water. Men giving kids candy and walking around with knives. Where the hell is this place? <laughs> After I finished my around, I was in front of Wonka's looking for a reverse. There was a strange man there, I think he was a tinker. He was standing right behind me, looking up the moon to him. Just before he left, he said, nobody gets in. And nobody ever comes out. And Friday was Charlie, not to the Nickname Milkshake. That's the tragic day that Willy Wonka rocked. Why do you look at Because, twerp, all the other chocolate makers in the world were sending in spies just as workers to steal Mr. Wonka's secret recipes. <laughs> Especially Slugworth. Oh, that Slugworth, he was the worst, worse than Timmy. Finally, Mr. Wonka shouted, I shall! And as if this were not enough, 
Each winner before he receives his prize will be personally escorted through the top secret chocolate factory. Grandpa, do you think I've got a chance to find one? <laughs> one? I'm counting on you to find all five! One is enough for me. Already? We have reports coming in that the response is phenomenal. Wonka bars are beginning to disappear from candy store shelves at a rate to boggle the mind. Truly, it's incredible the way Wonka mania has descended upon the globe. While the world searches, we watch and wait, wondering where the pursuit will lead and how long the spirit of man will hold up under the strain. And see. All right, we're back. That's uh, <laughs> Twisted Tunes. Uh, so they do these all over the place, uh, you know. Um, so one of the things that gets me is it opens up the, the guy who's who's giving it he doesn't he tells them you know what parts they'll they'll read and what voice they'll do the guy who's who's running it his name i didn't catch unfortunately um but so one of the things is it gets out there and of course we got all these cartoon voices and these people from you know winning the Pooh and different things like this right and 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 so he opens up and he's like if you got your kids in the audience um i recommend you don't stay here otherwise we got otherwise we're not responsible for the therapy they're going to need yeah. when they hear their their cartoon their favorite cartoon voices saying the things that they're about to say and and then nobody leaves yeah and so <laughs> well because as, you know as a father <laughs> as a father i got to ask you that if if i take my kid to something and I, and it's not just there i mean Zachary Levi is is uh you know, uh, dropping some f bombs too and everything, right? Like as, which was kind of funny because the kid ahead of me the first time he just <gasps> when when it happened, and then the second time he went, <gasps> and he looked over at his dad. The second time his dad just showed his dad. First time his dad just looked at him like, yeah, yeah, that was bad. And second time his dad just looked at him again, shrugged his shoulders like, <laughs> you know, that's what it's gonna be. But I yeah, mean, so. I, so as a father, like you know, when when somebody says to you, hey, this is not really good for kids. Don't you say, okay, perfect, I appreciate you telling me, and get up and, and leave? I mean, in the case of the Twisted Tunes, it, yeah, well, here, and here's the thing, right? Like, I had no idea what to expect, how twisted it would actually become. There's there's certain levels, and, and I would say for about probably 80%, I would have been largely okay, because some of the adult stuff wasn't really too adult. There was There was a little bit near the end where it was just like, oh, well, that was pretty adult, and uh, it got it got pretty graphic in some things. And so, That's so at that point, graphic. That was uh, that that got a little bit rough. So, but it's it's hard because you you try to make that you try to make that call because swearing is swearing. I mean, kids hear swearing all the time, and and I mean, it that that comes down to the idea of of like just teaching them when to like when they're allowed to say the word really i mean but it, it the yeah the ending was interesting and and i don't really know what i would have done you know overall i probably wouldn't have taken him just for the sheer fact that it's called twisted tunes and i know that they were going to make it a little bit adult so i probably would have just said no you know we'll just do something else instead 
And there is all sorts of other stuff to do. It's it's really a great performance. I would recommend it. I just I just don't understand that. When somebody says, Hey, this isn't for kids and you didn't know, why you just don't get up and go, Okay, why everybody seems to be Ah, we'll see how bad it is and then when it's too bad they go, Wow, I wish I had listened. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but as far, I mean as, as far as the actual performances, like what a, a talented group that was up there and and um you know, one person in particular kind of – well, a couple people, they just – a couple people really stole the show. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, Grey Delisle was amazing. She was so funny. And Rob Paulson, I thought. Rob Paulson, was, yeah. Yeah, was no just doubt. Tremendous. And, I mean, of course, he appreciated her, so that that helped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, and this is the the best part, is that they have a they have a YouTube site. They have plenty of Twisted Tunes performances from other expos or uh, and other cons, and they are way longer than the forty five minute less than forty five minutes than they got at uh, Calgary. So for me, this is this has now told me that I actually just want to go through and. And uh, check out all these Twisted Tunes because I see like 76 minutes and uh, I see almost 90 minutes doing stuff. So I Wizard of Oz, Beauty and the Beast, Vacation, oh, Rocky, yeah. Rocky. Rocky. <laughs> like, Can I you need, imagine? I need to hear Rocky done by these people. So, I mean, that's a little taste. And now that I see that there's all this stuff, I am uh, I'm totally in. Totally hooked. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, everybody should check it out for sure. Um, so let's move on here then to uh, the next thing. Okay, so we had just we just wrapped up with uh, with that. So I think we're we're ready for the Goonies panel. We're ready for the Goonies panel. The Goonies panel was, man, really interesting. What was, was it ever? <laughs> I, I like it's really hard to explain because you got out there and it was this you know really fun event and. You're having a good time, and uh, like uh, everybody was in a good mood. Um, Sean Aston was uh, did the majority of the talking. Uh, Corey Feldman, you had just come from taking getting a picture taken with him along with Keith. That's right. Um, in full Corey Feldman mode. Oh, um, he was totally Feldman. And I mean, the thing with Corey Feldman is that you got to understand that he's kind of crazy. And there's nothing at all wrong with the fact that he's kind of crazy, but you have to be prepared for that kind of crazy. And that was what I wanted out of the picture, and, and I certainly got it. You know, he dressed like Michael Jackson. And, and you know, when it comes down to the panel, I didn't know what we were going to get. It turns out that the biggest shock came from uh, from Sean Astin. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, you know... It was it was a perfect like it started off, um, uh, like it was really fun and light panel, uh, sharing stories. Uh, they weren't even talking too much about the movie, but when they were, it was a, a fun stuff. Um, Andrew well, was... Fung was hosting it. Uh, Andrew Fung is a, a a performer on Canadian television here and an improvisation master and uh, a really engaging personality. And and he it was nice to see him out there and. And, you know, it was going good. Uh, yeah, although it, it was weird. Like, the second that they went to questions from the audience, shit went weird. That was yeah, like, well, that's exactly it. Like, and it, it's it's kind of like I, you know, trying to figure out how to even explain what happened. because Well, because at first it was Beetlejuice. And that was weird. 
That was weird. Because you're right, it was a guy dressed as Beetlejuice. I forgot. And he was doing his, and he was doing gags like he was just, he was acting as Beetlejuice. And I mean, he did a fine job of it and pulling out gags. But it's just like, it was the exact opposite of the Zach Levi panel. It was one of those well, cases where, where like, yeah, Beetlejuice is doing gags, and it's all, almost becomes more about him than it is about the panel. Well, Exactly. There was actually a point there where Sean Aston was talking about how you're Beetlejuice and that's creepy and making jokes. And or he interrupted him a couple of times. And the, the guy playing Beetlejuice actually said, no, 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 this isn't your time. This is my time. Yeah. And I was like, really? No, it's not. Nobody gives a damn about you. And then, like, and then his question was something that they'd already answered. So yeah. he, he just did a variation on the question, which wasn't very interesting. And so that was that was difficult. But then, I mean, nothing could have prepared us for what came next. Yeah, well, that's it. So the Beetlejuice, you're like, okay, that was weird. But then the next guy came up. And like I say, we're having this panel. Everybody's laughing, having a good time. There's several thousand, you know, probably three or 4,000 people in the, uh, in the Daily Hive. To, I almost call it the Corral. Daily Hive to, to see the event. Um, you know, and, and just people who love the movie. And then the next guy comes up and... and uh, uh, why don't you I, I don't even know I don't even know how to describe what happens next well and I think it's 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 interesting because because I mean you know not to sound bad but you have to kind of describe the whole thing like he was he was in a wheelchair and and looked like kind of had a Stephen Hawking vibe yeah about him yeah exactly I think that's fair to say uh, so you know like I don't know what's I don't know what's wrong with him I can't say uh, but the thing was is that, and I don't remember the question exactly, but but I mean, he started going into Corey Feldman's, um, you know, life. Well, and, he did preface that uh, by saying, "I I don't want to go into too dark a place here," yeah, you know. Yeah. But and then he goes, "But and and I know I'm personally." And then he says to Corey, "You know, this is to Corey, but maybe the others can also answer." And at that point, I'm thinking it's a Corey Haim question, right? Mm, Which would, yeah, have been, yeah. would have been rough, but I would have understood. Yeah. But instead, it's about the, the abuse that he suffered. Yeah. Um, and, um, and did anybody else suffer abuse? And it, it was... essentially what he asked. Yeah. And, and basically like that as well. And that was, that was what was surprising. It was not... It was, and like, yeah, he, he tried to lighten it up a little bit i'll use air quotes there on the podcast but lighten it up by by asking about uh cory's charity but the but by that point the damage was truly done and and hey you know my hat's off to feldman for actually doing his best to defuse it like he did a he did a good job of talking about charity and then and the you know and saying and then Sean Aston tried to answer, you know, and said like, "No, you know, they they did their damnedest right off the bat to to kind of do a good job, but they real, but like they said, it's about the Goonies. You know, this is a supposed to be a fun panel about the Goonies, so let's ask questions about the Goonies." <laughs> well, that's exactly it. I mean, it, like I say, they kind of Corey Feldman talked a little bit about the charity. Sean Aston kind of asked a little bit, said he was lucky enough to have good parents. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kai, who was on the on the stage. Key, uh, or Key. Well, well. Key. 
Yeah, Andrew called him Key. Somebody else called him K. So it's hey, like, Kai, uh, whatever. Jonathan <laughs> Kai Kwan, I, I, I guess is uh, or Kai Kwan. Key Key Hui Kwan. Kwan. Yeah, something like that. Uh, um, you know, who played uh, Data was um, yeah, also on stage and just also the same thing. You know, had good parents and 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 you know was a good yeah. It didn't have these issues and. Uh, and the, the thing is that they did, and then they sort of answered it. And then somebody else came up and asked another question. And then Sean Aston came back to it, and, and he basically called the guy out saying exactly that. And I was really impressed by him here because he didn't, he didn't attack him in any way. No. Nope. But, but he didn't also allow the fact that this is a, a person with a disability to get away with something that he wouldn't have, wouldn't have allowed somebody else to get away with. He didn't. He didn't give him a pass just because of that, which I think was actually pretty brave. And- uh, yeah, absolutely. Because I'm willing to bet that ninety percent of people would have absolutely given it a pass, written it off, and been like, "Yeah, you know, I didn't want to talk about that, but, but you know, mm, so we'll let it go." But so, no, well, he basically, yeah. What, what and you asked- could tell. You could yeah. tell that it was bothering him because oh, yeah. in the next answer. Yeah, he wasn't really there. He was he yeah. was definitely bothered. And the fact that he was willing to take a stand and say, you know, this is not the time and place to ask that kind of question. And more importantly, it's how you frame the question. And the guy did not frame the question in such a way that it that it was a reasonable ask. Well, that's exactly it. He basically said, what Sean Aston basically said is, it's not that this isn't a, an important subject. And Corey Feldman said, well, in the, in the last thing I did, this ended up basically being the whole, the whole discussion. And I'm like, well, you know, if it was a Corey Feldman one alone, I could kind of get that. But this is not a Corey Feldman one alone. This is a Goonies thing. And, and, and Sean Aston said, you know, it's not that it's a subject that we shouldn't talk about. It's a very important subject. It's something uh, that we should talk about. But there's a time and a place and... If you're going to talk about it, don't say, and how about you? Were you abused? Like, you just yeah. don't do that. If you had asked your thoughts on child, he, Sean Aston said, if the person that parsed it is saying, uh, if, how is it that you feel about uh, child labor laws uh, in California and they affected Corey? Do you have any thoughts on the system and the ways it could be improved? That would be a different thing. But to basically outright say, hey, so were you abused? Mm-hmm. It's really where I, I think that was the part that probably bothered him the most. Yeah. So it was, it was, uh, and, and and the panel like as try as they could, it couldn't recover. It, like, it never did. No, no. I mean, it started out fun, and that's the part that you're going to hear. You're going to hear a little bit of the fun, but uh, it was it was unfortunate that it got derailed because uh, because everybody was there for the Goonies, you know. And so well, that's it. Yeah. So we kind of we kind of lost out in that regard, but but what I got out of it was a lot of respect for Sean Astin. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He, I, I love the way he uh, he handled it perfectly. So let's get to the fun part there and say if there is a Goonies one in the future, go to it and um, be aware of your environment and and how you're what you're saying and what you're asking. Really, for any panel, yeah. <laughs> you know, parse really it properly. For any panel. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
don't have their devices scanning the, the stage. I, Corey got in. We were, I was worried that you'd get in from that snowstorm we had last night. Actually, I got really lucky because we got in on Friday, and I was actually here yesterday incognito to enjoy the con with the rest of you. So that was awesome. Wait, so you came in incognito? I did come incognito. What was your, you know, impression of it? Well, I loved it. I was just like, this thing is huge. Look how many people there are. I can't believe this. The whole world is here tonight. It's good stuff. Well, he stuck his head out and looked at the curtain. He ran back. He's like, it's hockey. Oh, you know, look at that. We thought it was a little table. Uh, we're still getting those in Canada. Hockey arenas are popular, man. They are popular. We hold a lot of award shows in hockey arenas. He said, but he stuck his head out. Six more weeks of winter. <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. I mean, this is amazing. Yeah. Oh, look at this. Wow. Thank you. Goodies fans. Goodies fans unite. Never say bye. Yeah, I know. You know what we love, though? Everybody comes up to me and they go, oh, we're so sorry about this weather. So sorry about the weather. All of us are from LA. We're like, we love it. Looking forward to the snow because we've never seen it in LA. So I was happy that we had this. Uh, I know it's not good for you guys, but I love it. We love it. Oh, because we got like all the different kinds of snow the drizzle for a bit, and it comes horizontal, vertical, becomes ice. Right? But for us, we all knew it was coming. But you know, I'm a Calgary kid born and raised, so we know there's one more that comes. Right around this time, early May, late April, and it came, and it's like, welcome back, old friend. Let's dance. Second winter. There will be a third and fourth, and then it comes back in September. Hey, long weekend camping is never fun. You know, I, I knew it was coming too, but not because of some deeply embedded, instinctive, like you can feel it in your bones, a fisherman kind of a, you know, sensory. I just, I saw it on the news. <laughs> and I've talked to a lot of Canadians and a lot of Calgarians, which I know sounds a lot like on um, Star Trek something or other, but a lot of the Calgarians I talked to were like, oh, it's coming. <laughs> You're here. <laughs> You're here. It's, it's, I'm, I'm a fanboy. I'm looking over core right now. This is exactly how I want to remember you all the time. This is, you have lived up to the expectation. The jacket, the hair, like, oh wow, that is hip. He's here. This is exactly how I want it. It's Thank so God he didn't show up looking like somebody else because that would have been terrible. People would have been greatly disappointed if I showed up looking like Gary Green. They would have been like, that's not, no, it's, uh, yeah, so. so how long have you been doing these expos and cons for? Uh, I think Sean, well, uh, I was going to say Sean takes the cake, but I actually started probably before Sean did with Hank. We used to do them like 20 years ago. Uh, in fact, I remember the first time Sean and I did a con together was in Milton Keynes, England. And that was what, 15, 20 years ago, Sean? A little more. It was, um, so, you know, there's, there's always different gatherings, types of gatherings, you know, a personal appearance, be a personal appearance that you can do, whatever. Uh, you know, small signings, whatever, whatever you've done all the time. But the, this convention space, this Comic-Con style convention space was a Star Trek thing. For the, yeah, for the that's right. It was Trekcon. Trekcon. Yeah, and then and then there was another company that uh, that started doing doing them. But 2001 is when Lord of the Rings came out, and 2002 I went to Comic Con. Yes, thank you very much. A little movie called Lord of the Rings. 
but it's just such low-hanging fruit. I mean, these are my people here, am I right? No, but, um... He called you all fruits, you heard it. Not just fruit, low-hanging fruit. Yeah, that's even worse. The easiest to get to. Oh, well... He called you easy! He called you easy! No, it's, no, it's right. They're fully right. Am I getting... It's just getting worse. It's getting worse. No, but... So I did a, a Comic-Con San Diego, I did a signing on the floor there that was a part of somebody else's booth that wasn't an official thing. And, and, then, and then began what's been, you know, for me, minimum two or three, and then up to like 15 conventions a year. Um, and you've watched the, the, the kind of boom and bust cycles, you know, when, when uh, Doctor Who was just incredible. And there were Tartai, Tartises. <laughs> multiple tar tartans, I don't know, but like you know, people walk all over the place, and then when Walking Dead came in, and when Game of Thrones came in, there's, there's or you know, Harry Potter, there's there's big kind of temple fandoms that, that wave through, and, and, and you know. But Goonies never say die! <laughs> you've, been, you've been covered before, is that right? Several times. Several times, yes. Yeah. I, I want to congratulate you on your changing skyline. There are definitely more buildings than there were five years ago. I mean, it definitely looks like it's starting to look metropolitan, really. It, you know, when I first came here, it was a Spielberg, um, uh, what they call it? It's like a limited series, HBO, 10 episodes or something called Into the West. And, uh, and we, we, I, was, uh, I played a prospector or something like that. And, and uh, it, was, it was like a cow, not a cow town, but I mean, it was just very rustlery, kind of, you know, western. It was western. And, uh, and it still is that, of course, but I mean, it just, there's just so much, it's, it's boomtown in Calgary. People are giving in, it's just growing, and so it's, I mean, the way, the way I know for sure that's true is I was in the parade. Oh, my God. Who was here at the, by, by sound of hooting? Who was in the, at the parade route? Wow. It was incredible. I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I mean, you know, I've done Mardi Gras, and I do big city marathons, and there's people everywhere, and, but this was like, and the national news, the Canadian national news in Canada, the, um, what's it called? CBC. Yeah, there's CBC, but who's the other one? Who's the CTV, there's a, th there's a third national. Global news. One of those was like live streaming the parade. They were going, they were going live during segments, and people came up to me today and they said, oh yeah, I was watching the parade. Where he's standing here, as I tried to know where everybody was up in the buildings, and there were the chef people up there, and, and uh, they're like, no, 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 I was watching it on the news, you know. But, wow, the cons have come a long way in 20 years, man. Now they are, they are a fully acceptable family experience that even the news recognizes as meaningful to the people. So we've, we've come a long way. We come part of the backbone of the city, you know, this expo and the holiday market expo, which you haven't been is fantastic. This thing that families look forward to, you go to, you embrace. And speaking of families, this, you know, the Goonies is essential viewing for families. I'm a father of two who asked to be shown the Goonies yet. I'm like, I don't think he's ready yet. He's like, this back in the future just isn't quite there yet. He's well, now we have something else uh, to talk about uh, besides the pants. What's that? We have uh, the interview that we did with uh, Lindsay, the former Emily Expo uh, on the on the show as well. That's true, actually. This was um, completely very interesting because I, I didn't realize that she was no longer going by Emily Expo. Yep. And she was now going by Lindsay. Uh, and and uh, she was performing uh, 
you know, we were told to come talk to the spokesman and, and ask about the Expo and get some questions answered. And, and we thought, yeah, that sounds cool. There's always lots to ask about. First off, we'll ask, you know, uh, why are you doing it now instead of Emily Expo? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then it's like we get there and it's just like, oh, you are Emily Expo. You're yeah. just using your – so, yeah, what for whatever reason. And it's not a question that we asked. It just didn't seem – uh, right at the time in in why you aren't Emily Expo anymore, but uh, I I just assume that it could very well be part of the changeover of the uh, of ownership, really. Yeah, they still have this Emily Expo uh, logo. It's not quite as prominent as it has been in the past. Um, she's uh, I, I mean, at first I wasn't even one hundred percent sure it was her. Correct. Uh, yeah. Not not just because she looks like Christine Ritchie and uh, <laughs> it was also there, but also just because she has changed her look up because she's not having to be Emily Expo anymore. Yeah. Um, and so there was that. But yeah, no, I, I, you know, the thing is, she was really good and I'm glad we got a chance to talk to her. She has a, she wears a heart on her sleeve. She cares a lot about the Expo. Um, and she, she's very smart, very thoughtful in her answers. Yeah. So uh, I was... it's actually, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Yeah, it was it was a really good conversation, and I think that uh, there's no doubt if we had gotten longer. I mean, we we took ten minutes with her, and I think if we'd gotten longer, we probably could have really um, gone like gotten even further. But I think we got a lot of really interesting questions answered about running an expo and like how difficult it is because there's she told us some things that I just never really thought about, and I and I think it's important for fans to think about how an expo is run uh, from the, you know, promoter's perspective sometimes when when they have to think about, uh, or when they when they get all grumpy and, and like, you know, uppity about uh, who's not there, uh, the cancellations. And, st- and, and, hey, that happens to me, right? When I see a cancellation, I'm just like, oh, there you go again. You know, there goes the neighborhood. Sky is falling and stuff like yeah. that. But... You know, and I think that's our natural inclination. But I, but listening to her really gave me an appreciation, more of an appreciation, for the work that they do. That's it. That's the thing that comes across, and I think is important. Is is uh, there's so many moving parts, and it is difficult to do this. And I also just want to say here, because we're giving the introduction to it, there's a part in here where I say you can't just say uh, no assholes allowed and put a sign up, and then and then I said well. And that's and then I say, and that's why you're not allowed in my house. I wasn't saying that to her. I was looking at you at that point. So when that part comes up, right now yes. people will know I wasn't saying that to Lindsay. She's invited in my house anytime. Brett, you're never invited. Oh, fair enough. I don't want to go to your house anyways. It's true. You really don't. It's creepy. Bad things happen there. Yeah. Well, there's that place I hold the bodies. That- <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like that. <laughs> See, yeah, they talk about the real friends help you move bodies, and it's just like, I actually don't want to help you move any of those bodies. That's why you haven't moved well, any look, of those it's, bodies. It's, it's, it's reasonable if they're still fresh. But yeah, once they've been yeah. half, oh, yeah. been around, it's, it's true that... I wouldn't ask that of you. No, And, no. you know, yeah. Uh, you're, besides, be I don't know where you'd be. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. All right. Well, yeah, enjoy the conversation I did. Hey, Owen, here we go. We are at the Calgary... Comic and Entertainment Expo. It's you know it's interesting. I'm so used to referring to it as just the Calgary Expo, and I sure and I know that's okay. But uh, but we are here. We are talking to Lindsay. She is the uh, spokesperson for the Calgary Expo. So first off, tell us what you do. 
I do well do the spokesperson stuff so interviews like this with uh, wonderful people such as yourself um, up until last year <laughs> up until last year I was also um, I was booking the guests and heading up the communications department and dealing with the special events uh, as well as spokesperson so that was a lot <laughs> and I was I also went back to school so I've sort of scaled back some of those other responsibilities I still do the spokesperson stuff uh, and then um, school on top of that stuff. So. I mean, that actually brings up sometimes we would see you know you pass us on a, on a Sunday and sure. you just looked um, like that was it Reagan. yeah yes. yeah it was like like you were doing too much is that kind of what you step back some of this little bit yeah I mean I uh, yesterday morning I was up from four o'clock in the morning working right through until midnight right it is long grueling it's not yeah. just show days it's you know you're starting with the the breakfast shows the morning shows and all that kind of stuff and then you're working on things right up until into the evening to make sure things are set and ready and good to go for the next day so it's it's a lot of work and then when you incorporate other roles you're also dealing with things like flight delays and travel issues and like any other fire that can come up so you're just kind of always in this state of like what's about to happen something's gonna go wrong because something always does um, and then just trying to um, be as preventative as possible assess those risks before they happen and yeah so that would be why I, I yeah by Sunday I, I usually look pretty bad well you still look good but you still look good but, but you just you just look like you were like you just, just didn't busy. want to talk to anybody oh, 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 I'm so sorry no I can't no, no and I don't blame you I, that's why I look most of the time <laughs> but you know I, I don't think that the it's probably difficult for people to attend a convention or not aware of a convention to understand just how many moving parts there are. Yep. Like, it's, is it even possible to convey to people just how many moving parts go on to put on something like this? No. I mean, the closest I've been able to come is um, I'll say to somebody, uh, have you ever arranged a wedding? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I plan my own weddings. Like, we were you stressed? And usually they'll be like, I... Yeah, like it was, I couldn't enjoy the day. I was so stressed. And I was like, imagine planning a wedding that is for um, 150 guests and you have attending the wedding um, 100,000 people. Plan that wedding. Yeah. And do it twice a year. <laughs> and usually they're like, oh yeah, that's not, okay. <laughs> it doesn't sound like fun. And it is fun, but it, it is, it's a lot too. It's fun, yeah. but it's hard work. Yeah, totally, totally. Now, how have things changed since the new ownership uh, kind of came into place? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I know that the new ownership, it's, it, it's sort of like yin and yang. Like we have really different teams and really different mentalities, but in a way it really balances each other out. So ultimately I think we're going to see a lot of really great things happen. Um, and it's just getting to know each other, different teams getting to know each other. And I'm looking forward to those relationships being developed and fleshed out and them learning from us and us learning from them. And hopefully that will reflect well on the show overall being built up and becoming even better. That's the goal. They're being open, both sides are being open to the collaborative nature yeah, that they need to yeah, have. Yeah, that's to definitely what I would like to see for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, are there, are there things then that you kind of hope that can be done better and, and will be done better as, as time goes by? Like maybe, do you want to expand the comic book section? Do you want to like scale in certain things? Right, right. So um, there's always room to learn. Like no matter how good you are at anything, 
in any field. There's always more to learn. So by no means do I consider myself an expert in anything um, because there's always somebody who knows more than me. Um, and I mean, if <laughs> endless money, yes, bring in all the comic book guests. Um, please bring in Bono because I want to meet him. Like, you know, like there's always things that you want to you want to do. But you know, it's it, it just kind of really depends huge mostly on things like availability and budget and things like that. But the show's not about me. The show is about the fans. So really, I would like to see it just being about whatever it is the fans want. What needs do they have that need to be met? And that's where I would want to start. Yeah. One of the things that I actually really appreciate about the Calgary Expo, and we've been coming here now for, what, eight years? Uh, when did it start? Yeah, well, that's, yeah. That's it. well, it's <laughs> a longer, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, just, I mean, just media. Uh, yeah. Just in a media oh, yeah, capacity. Sure. And, and it's, the, the Expo really does seem to want to put on a unique experience for each individual to meet the, yep. the, the needs and the likes and the wants of each individual person who comes here so they can have their unique experience for them. Yep. And you know, and that means being very inclusive. That means uh, creating an environment that is positive and energy. And uh, you know, it'd be easy to put a sign up front: "Don't be an asshole." But yeah. I don't think that'll work. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> you know, I have that in my house, though. Yeah. You know, you, it's not you working for me. It. That's yeah. why you can't come over. <laughs> but, but, but that's it. I mean, it's it's got to be really difficult to hit to know that you got to hit different markets and different people and different wants and different needs, yeah. different lifestyles, everything, and find an event that puts on a show for everybody. Yeah, no, you're, it, it is definitely a challenge for sure, and sometimes we're more successful than others. Um, but the effort is always there, and we understand, of course, especially on in an event this size, you can't make everybody happy, but we can sure try. And the way that you experience the show and the way that you receive information is going to be different than you, is going to be different than all these other people. And so that's, you know, we try and communicate in different ways and try and meet people where they're at in that way. Um, and the same with the guests. Like, we know that not everybody is into Star Trek or Star Wars. There's other stuff, too. And and so we really try to have a really good variety, um, honoring the roots of this being rooted in comics and, and trying to ensure that we have those guests for people and there's so many subgenres within that too you can't just be like all right well here's a bunch of artists yeah. throw it at that and expect that to stick like we need to look at what what are people who into right now from the niche stuff through to the the massive the massive popular things too so it's a lot of research takes a lot of time but it, it's this is what it's about yeah. this is what it's about I'm inter oh, I'm interested in uh, what like how much more difficult is it I guess to be a Canadian expo as opposed to an American one because I know that there's yeah. some issues with the uh, crossing bringing product across lizards, lizards coming lizards. you know sure right, yeah. Right. yeah 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 no great question I would say the issue um, the Canadian thing there, there's a couple of different added complications it's not too terrible once you kind of figure it out but the big issue that's unique to um, Calgary and the show in Edmonton also is actually flights. So Toronto, Vancouver, tons of direct flights. It's it's quite easy to get people in and out quickly. So if somebody's like, look, I can't do the two-day appearance anymore, but I can come in Saturday morning and get out Saturday night and I'll still come. You can do that. Uh, for Calgary, it's much, much more difficult. I remember a few years ago, we had a whole slew of Walking Dead people cancel. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. I will always remember that. <laughs> like my heart like dropped out of, anyway. Um, you did your best though to replace oh, them immediately. Oh, 
totally, oh, yeah. totally, totally. You could be anytime there was a guest cancellation, you could picture me sitting behind my desk, just like banging it against like why. <laughs> but anyway, the issue was they had um, a photo shoot, like a promo photo shoot, come up for The Walking Dead that they had to go to, and I think that was happening on the Sunday or the Saturday or something like that. Um, and I was like, well, can they still appear Thursday, Friday instead? Like anything not to cancel? Like well. You know, we'll do anything to make it work. And in terms of the flights, like, I think it would take, it was, yeah, it was a Saturday photo shoot. It would take all day Thursday to get in from Atlanta because there's connections and stuff. And then um, they'd have to leave Friday morning to be back for the Saturday. So literally, they would fly in, they would land, they wouldn't even make it to the show because the show would be closed and they'd have to leave in the morning before the show would even open. So it was just, it was, there was just no way short of like teleportation to get them here. And it's stuff like that. People have every right to be disappointed. Of course, when there's a cancellation that is valid, it's authentic. Yes, be disappointed. We're disappointed. That is normal. But it's stuff like that. Like, I wish I could just like have this verbal diarrhea with like the fans and be like, no, you don't understand. We tried. We did everything. <laughs> like, we literally did everything we could. And it just. How do you not take it personally when people are, you know, you put your heart and soul into it? It's gotta be yeah, difficult. I do take it personally. <laughs> Like, full disclosure, I totally take it personally. I am awful. Like, somebody's mean to me on Twitter, and I break. Like, I am, not, yeah, I take everything super personally. Because you're right, you, you hit the nail on the head. I do put my heart and soul into it, as does the rest of the team. So, um, they, they aren't people who are like, oh, you know, we don't care about the fans. Like, we just want to sign these contracts and walk away. Like, it's, it's, it's not that, even a little bit. Like, it's these are people who, it's a labor of love. Um, We've always said that this is really more, sorry, I'm like rambling now. We've always said like this is really more of a lifestyle than a job because you 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 do it all day, you go home and you're still like texting with your boss or doing whatever, being like, oh, what about this idea? What if we did this? Or maybe this is a solution and you're doing that right up until you go to bed. Like it doesn't end at five o'clock or six o'clock. It's all the time. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, we're not going to be mean to you on Twitter oh, ever. Thank you. So, uh, and we totally appreciate what you do. We appreciate your time. You should tell everybody where your podcast can be found. That's right. Oh, really? I, I think it's pretty shitty. <laughs> if you feel like people don't like it, please don't be mean to me on Twitter. And it has nothing to do with the show either. Like, it is, like, literally just, like, my own personal thing. It's called The Weird Pod. <laughs> Uh, the weird, sorry, not the weird pod. It's called Weird, a podcast of curiosities, and uh, uh, you can find the website at theweirdpod.com. And it's just me talking about like serial killers and haunted houses and things like that. Just weird stuff. That's all it is. Just me. <laughs> That's up our alley. Yeah, totally <laughs> awesome, <laughs> Lindsay. Thank you so You're much for welcome. coming on. You're very welcome. And it was a pleasure. Thank you. Right. Worst yet best. Damn. Awesome. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the show. All right. Um, we got one other one other interview bit, and this was an this was kind of an oddity for us because we've never done a media scrum with a comic creator before. No. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, and, well, that, that's not true. I mean, you did Todd McFarlane. Oh, Todd McFarlane. Yeah, Todd McFarlane is different though because because a he's 
Todd McFarlane. And Kevin Eastman. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I mean, and I guess, but but the but never never was somebody who's been signing at a table, signing like, at a table. And, yeah, like 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 this, and and this is where the the scrum took place was at Ken Lashley's table. That's right, and Ken is a great guy. He is an absolutely awesome guy. Couldn't have enjoyed him any more. But but yeah, like it. So it was a whole bunch of uh, people, probably four or five people. Uh, or or four I think, people. I think and, even more. Yeah, maybe local, maybe local more. Local news was part of this. Uh, radio uh, news was part of this, um, and then then the various websites. There's quite a few people there. I think it was, uh, yeah, easily a half dozen. Well, I was uh, I was saying so, like I mean, four or five people and Chris Duker, you know. Well, and Chris Duker. Well, I said yeah. Well, we're talking people. Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't qualify as that. We all know <laughs> that, but. Yeah, so Ken, uh, Ken, uh, answer the questions, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the conversation with him that we had afterwards when this is done. Hey, Ken, it's uh, Chris Steger from GeekNerdNet.com. Uh, I first met you way back in the 90s at Oakville, a comic connection. Oh, good Lord. Which is old store. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was aging, only 12 at the time. Well, That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, I was like yeah, four. Absolutely. Uh, just kidding. It's, uh, no, but seriously, um, in, in seeing your career through the years, fantastic work, obviously. Well, I love thanks it. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Uh, you, you, a few years back, you took some time and realized, you know what, I need to get back to my family time. Yeah. Cut down my hours. Yeah. How has that, on the flip side, uh, affected your work? Um, I, I did it for a bit until I got to a point where, I mean, I got to, you know what I did? It made me focus on the works that make sense. So, but for a lot of time, I was just taking, well, that sounds cool, let's just do it. And then now I'm at the point where I, I make really better decisions to the things that I'm interested in as opposed to just whatever comes across my desk I just work on, right? right. So um, I got a chance to work on Star Wars. And you got a chance to work on some Hasbro stuff, has some, some stuff with you know, X-Men Legends. Um, I got to work on Spider-Man. I mean, all these things came because I was selective as opposed to just like, oh, this is cool. Everything is cool. Everything is cool to some degree, right? Yeah. So, I mean, being selective is, is really has helped my career, you know, so. Great. Yeah. Thanks, Ken. Anytime. Okay. Sorry about that. All right. Uh, do we have Larissa here? Larissa here. I'm not sure if she made it. Oh. Sorry, Larissa. Uh, Community Now. That's us. Go ahead and ask a question. Hi, I'm Krista from Community Now. How are you? Good. How are you? Very good. good. How has innovation changed oh. your industry? It's immensely. I mean, when I first started in the business, um, I would drive to pick up faxes. I mean, drive to pick up scripts. I mean, things that are just really ludicrous now. Um, and now, what I do now is, um, it was. It's also too. It's, it's, it's also on the other side. It's not great because I'm picking up I have production as part of my job now. It used to be, I draw the pages. They send off to Marvel, and that's the last I see them. Until I see them in the book. Now I have to. I have to, you know, scan them and put them in a template and send them off to FTP. So I'm part of the production team that makes the book. Also, drawing digitally has changed my life. I mean, I used to not work digitally. I was not a digital artist. At all. I would never touch anything digital. I'm a traditional guy, but you have to have digital skills in order to work today. You cannot just be that kind of guy, altruistic, and just oh, I can just that's somebody else's problem. You have to be able to have digital skills using Photoshop. I'm also, I'm also one of the beta testers for the new Adobe Gemini software. Okay. So I mean, you have to learn. You know, you use the tools. I mean, it really, it's it's like anything else. It's like brushes are brushes, ink is ink, digital or not. It's kind of all the same thing. You just it's a barrier of entry. You're afraid to touch things. You say, oh, I don't know how to use that thing. It's like saying, are you a race car? driver if you're a race car driver are you only a race car driver in certain cars or are you always a race car driver mm -hmm. right? so that's what I mean it's just a skill no matter what you're doing it's the same skill perfect thank you so much anytime big question I've got for you sure. when you're involved in major projects like sure. the Avengers movies uh, yep. uh, I guess 
how does it how does it affect you to have to keep a lot of the things you do sort of secret away from the people you know that sort of thing it's it's the worst part of the job but it, but it's also it's the coolest job in the world and the worst job in the world in one right so I'll tell you this right I got Hasbro I work with Hasbro all the time they, I work on different lines all kinds of cool things they said we want you to be in-house we want you to fly here for a meeting I go why would I need to fly? I mean I talk I work with you guys every day we, we're talking right now we can just be right and they go no you physically have to be in the building so I so I flew down there I get into the I get into the meeting and there's four or five of us there's me our director head director, director sitting in his sitting in his office he pushes a button and he says thanks for coming Ken this is what happened is why we're here is for our vendors clicks the button and he says these are the list of the characters that die in, in, in Infinity War <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's how he that's how he broke it to me, and I'm like, dude. And then he goes, these are the characters that stay dead. And I was like, what? What? Whoa, dude! You gotta pace yourself, right? Like, it was like, like, and I said, back up. And this is before Black Panther came out. So before Black Panther came out, Black Panther's on the list, right? So I'm like, you can't kill the black guy right away. Like, what's what's going on here? Right? There was a lot of drama, but it, but that's the kind of stuff that happens, you know. So you have to keep secrets. Like my family is so good, they don't want to see any kind of spoilers whatsoever. So I don't tell them anything. So I let them just sort of go and enjoy it. But it's hard for two years to sit around and kind of and just pretend like you don't know anything and, and seeing all those trailers that are not none of that stuff is in the movie. Like you know, we see like you know, you know, Black Widow. I mean, none of that stuff is. In, I mean, that's what it is. That's what it is, right? Like stu- the, they do trailers are fun, but they're really about advertising, not about what's in the movie. Excellent. Thank you very much. Anytime. Uh, we have On Comics Brown, and then we'll have one more after that. Let's do this. Hi, my name is Kai. Hi, Kai. I'm with On Comics Brown. How are you? We are an LGBT-led um, comics review site. Cool. We are 50/50 black and white contributors. That's awesome. Our EIC is a black man, and he's a huge fan of yours. Oh, that's and cool. So we are like working to build a safe community for everybody to enjoy Absolutely. comics. Absolutely. So with your work on Black Panther, yep. and then your work on X-Men yep. being so iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with X-Men being a political comic illustrating the struggles of yep. traditionally underrepresented you know, um, individuals yep. and being an allegory for like the gay coming out experience. Yeah. Um, why do you think these characters resonate with a traditionally underrepresented and how do you as the artist reflect that struggle and make it feel relevant? Well, I mean, it's they're, they're just t- you just tell a, a human story. I think that's really what it comes down to. I mean, there's, no matter what you do as a storyteller, if, you do, if you're coming from a base of truth, it doesn't matter really what it's about, right? I mean, so one of the things that I find really interesting about some of the work I've worked on over the years is, is having a person of color working on Black Panther is kind of like a no-brainer, but that's not always what happened, right? Yeah. So some of the early Black Panther stories where people were talking about were great black stories that were told by people who were not black. So, I mean, they, they you can identify with the struggle, identify. You can always find your truth and yourself in some of the stories, right? I just did a story with Spider-Man, uh, a character, Gibbon, that was very sort of, who's Gibbon? Who's his character? And he's basically retelling his life. And, and there's some parts of that story, it was gut-wrenching, because he was telling you about the mistakes that he made and how he ended up being a, a minor character and how he met Spider-Man and he, he was had a rough day that day and somebody said something to him and then when Spider-Man laughed, he, he took it personal and he said he shouldn't have done that. And then and we could all relate to that story where we've overreacted to something or, or I've even jobs that I didn't get that I thought oh I didn't get that job because I was co- of, of color right but I but there was a time where I thought about those kinds of things and then you know what I really took to heart I said if I'm so good that they can't say no then that's what I need to be so, so that's why that was my focus was being so good at what I do that it doesn't matter I get into the room because of my talent not because of all oh, this hire this color is colored artist for this they just go oh Ken's a really good artist and he can do anything and that's how, that's how I how I in my career. But it was there was a tough times where I would see other artists get get things that I felt 
I, I was I could have done that better because I was you know but then that's how life works right you have to sort of pay your dues like I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a 52 year old overnight success I, you know I, I went through all those things so these people talk to me now oh you're great but I said let me tell you it's 23 years of this stuff you know it, it wasn't it wasn't overnight Anytime. Last question from 660 News. Are you guys close enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Move on in. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going with you? Pretty good. Pretty good. So, um, one question we just kind of had to is uh, since you've done like some Marvel and DC, can yep. you bounce between the two? Do you have a preference? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, absolutely not. I mean, I think, I, I mean, be perfectly honest with you, I mean, I grew up as a Marvel guy. You know, I mean, I was, um, my favorite books growing up was Uncanny X-Men, was my favorite thing, John Byrne, you know, issue 108 to 143 my favorite things. So getting a chance to draw Uncanny X-Men was, you know, a dream come true. I mean, I can't say, even even now, I mean, even how I'm working on Spider-Man is so bizarre. I went to see Spider-Verse, and I, I posted on my social media that I liked like I liked the, the movie, and Marvel reached out and said, "Hey, do you want to draw Spider-Man?" And that's and that's how it works, you know. And then that that's how life works, you know. Like you're, I guess that's it. But you I mean once you put all the energy out there, the energy comes back. Just like try to be positive, right? And then always be positive. Even the negative is always a positive. I mean, like I remember when I first started business, I thought being famous was important, and it's so irrelevant. You know, being the best artist you can be is the only thing you can control. So I was just working my stuff, and then when I became more popular, it was like I didn't care about that stuff anymore. I didn't care about, you know, you know, saying the right thing, being to the right parties. All that stuff is innocuous and silly. Just be really, really talented at what you do, and just and work at it every day. Thanks a lot. Anytime. And actually, thank you so much for your time. Anytime. Thank you, thank you everybody for coming. Nobody brought cookies. I actually literally have cookies. This for is you. ridiculous. Hey, Ken. Shoot, what's up? Uh, not much. I'm Brett from We Talk Music. Oh, yeah, we talk. Comics, actually. How you doing? We talk. <laughs> Too many We Talks yeah, going yeah, we on. Yeah, We Talks going on. <laughs> so my question to you is, um, in, in your case, like, how difficult is it to bring your own spin to a character like Spider-Man mm. that has been you know, drawn so many different ways? Um, I think you have to be true to who you are. Right? I mean, and I think that's, that's the thing is, I mean, I, I look at other artists. I looked at a lot of other guys before I started working on Spider-Man. Um, and then you, what happens is, by just by by the way the, the way the world works, you start drawing things and who you are comes through, right? It should come through. Um, and you can't ape somebody for the whole an issue or two or even an arc because eventually you run out of run out of material, right? You have to be true to who you are. And I think that's what makes it unique. Everyone's unique. I th they think, they, they say there's something called style. I don't think style is really a thing. I think style is a, a, an imperfection that you do all the time that becomes your quirk. Uh, you do this, you used to make this mistake every single time and then that becomes who you are. And I think that's interesting. Interesting, you know what I mean? Like, um, I love the fact that there's so many different types of artists in this business, and I like all kinds of stuff. And people don't think I like, well, do you like this kind of art? I go, yeah, I think that's cool. I like all kinds of music. I mean, soundtracks and weird stuff, and I mean, I listen to all kinds of bizarre things because certain how I feel in certain days. I'm not, I'm not the same thing every day. Even when I draw pages. One day I have an idea and I'm drawing it, and the next day I have a different idea, and I may add something different to it. I mean, it, it changes over the six weeks or five weeks of drawing a book. It just has to change. It's just what it is. Whatever influences, you know. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Ken. Anytime. Thanks so much for your time, Ken. It's all good. Well, and the interesting thing here too is that we had to go back for my for my question because uh, they totally forgot about us. Yeah, they completely forgot that you were you were there. Um, which is maybe that's because I was originally going to ask the question then because you were in line to see Corey Feldman to get your photo op taken and, and you kind of hustled down and I was like, well, you know, you usually do these things and I let you go up and take it and uh, and ask the question. And, and so, yeah, we got maybe that's why they didn't re realize that it was you at that point because at that point I was actually over talking to Chris Duker. Yeah, and, uh, I'm you know, sorry. Well, 
Yeah, it's, it's you know, charitable work. Is, yeah, it's you, you, you were taking the bullet for the team there. Really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So <laughs> doing that, and so you got the question off. And then uh, we were able to go back and talk to Ken a little bit later. What happened then? Well, that was great because we wanted to ask him about coming on the show. And, uh, and he told a great story about uh, working, as, working for the Avengers movie in Hasbro. And so he he was talking about this. We're talking uh, Endgame, just so people understand the most recent one. Yeah, well, but but the thing is, is that when you listen to a story, I it makes me feel like he was brought in for Infinity War as well. Oh, I'm sure he was. Yeah, yeah because because like so so. Anyways, I mean, the way he tells the story is that uh, he was Hasbro calls him up and and like. Tells him that he has to come to a meeting. He's like, "What? We can't do it over the phone. I do all my meetings over the phone, right?" Like, uh, and they're like, "No, you got to come in." It's like, oh, "Okay, fine." So they fly him to Hasbro, and he walks into the room, and they're like, "All right, uh, so here's here's a board with all the Avengers that are going to die in Infinity War. Here's a board with all the Avengers that are going to stay dead in Endgame." And it's just like, oh! So I, they kind of blew his mind there. Yeah, yeah. And then he, he told us some more stuff about things that he was made privy to in, in, the, in the movie that we may or may not have seen and, and his opinion on what we would or would not have seen. So, of course, we can't assume that everybody's seen the film. Hell, I only saw it today. That's I guess right. the same for you. But, uh, yeah, it was really interesting. So he's going to be on. Uh, he's going to come back. He's really an awesome guy. We talked to him for quite a while afterwards and and uh, we'll probably get that story in more detail then, and we can get more. At that point, I think it'll be far enough away that we'll be all right with any spoilers. So, uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll get a little bit more um, detail about what he may or may not have seen. And I think people are really going to enjoy that. But I, I hope that they've enjoyed kind of the audio we've had in the panels so far. Because, um, I, I, you know, honestly, this was a very, it was a very, I mean, it was a really good expo. It was, uh, it was very relaxed chill compared to a lot of other uh seasons uh you know um just well, kind of we operated differently you know going to going to more of the panels and recording them and being able to do things like this you know that this is different for us we're we're kind of trying something new in the comic realm for us yeah absolutely but uh you know good to see a lot of people scott qualchuk in town obviously a few minutes to talk to Riley Rossmo, who immediately helped us with our graphic novel in like two seconds, gave us the best advice you can imagine. Um, he's he's in, in just such a great guy. And so, yeah, like I really enjoyed the expo. I think the expo treated us really well. There, there wasn't a ton of these type of media um, things set up. Uh, let's be honest. The, the, the people are there for like we had asked, for instance, for Peter Weller, you know. Um, but I mean, honestly, they're not there for us. They're nope. there for the audience, right? Yeah, and and you know when a guy like Zach Levi is says he's gonna say says he is gonna sign autographs, or, and some of them say they're gonna sign autographs until they can't sign anymore, you know, and and that's right. That's why they're there. That is why they're there. They're there to see the people who've come, paid the tickets, and the the fans, and not the media. So I can definitely appreciate that. So that was the expo portion of the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo, though we also will be talking to somebody who uh, was with us to attend a concert that came out of the Calgary Comic and Expo Entertainment Expo. That'll be the next episode uh, where we were joined by the one and only Stephanie Chan, 
But Brett, any final thoughts on these expos uh, panels that we just uh, experienced? Well, I, you know, this is one of the first years that we've actually. <clears throat> this is one of the first years that we've actually gone to a lot of panels. Like we've got, we've gone comic book panels before, but uh, seeing a lot of the bigger panels was, is kind of new for us. And uh, it was a, it was an interesting experience, and I liked. I liked being able to do it. It does kind of, and I like knowing that we can record the first, the first question and kind of bring that to you because I, I think it it definitely uh, it's it's a new it's kind of a new way of looking at the expo. Absolutely. So thank you once again to the expo for letting us do that and uh, and being so hospitable to us this year, uh, or you know uh, every always year. Offer. We've every been doing year. this they for so come. many years now, and uh, and, and, and I got to say it's a, it's a treat every year. Absolutely. They're, they're fantastic to us. So thank you very much. And we will talk to you again very soon. O-U-T.